calling all video game toy and comic vendors. Saturday, May 30th at the Superkick Columbus Indoor Soccer Arena in Lewis Center, Ohio comes the 2020 Torg Gaming Expo. The Torg Gaming Expo will offer a wide variety of comics, toys, video games, as well as door prizes, art, arcades, special guests, panels, and video game tournaments. The Expo will be hosting the Classic Tetris World Championship Midwest Qualifier during this event. Finalists will win a trip to Oregon for the finals and a cash grand prize. For vendors who would like to attend the Expo, don't miss the Early Bird Special, where you get an 8-foot table for $40 until February 1st. Want to be involved with the Expo but don't want a table? Become a sponsor. Multiple spots are available and will be advertised to attendees, but act fast because spots are limited. The 2020 Torg Gaming Expo, presented by the Canned Air Podcast. For more details or to sign up as a vendor or sponsor, go to torgevents.com. Hi there, this is Mike Quinn, Nine Numb from Return of the Jedi, The Force Awakens on The Last Jedi. You're listening to Canned Air Podcast. I am Jeremy Colley. And I'm Randy Hardenbrook. And joining us from Spaztastic Studios, we have Matt Frey joining us. Matt, thank you so much for being here. Thank you guys for having me on. It's a, it's an honor. Oh, it's an honor to have you <laughs> yes. here, sir. We're going to have fun today. We're going to be looking, uh, this is the first episode of 2020, so we're going to be looking over the past 10 years, the 2010s, if you will. Can't believe it's already been and gone man <laughs> it's crazy it's really crazy to think about i mean just yesterday it seemed like y2k was like right. still a thing you know and it doesn't seem like that long ago i don't know i don't know if it's just me but i never like separate like the 2000s and the 2010s it just always kind it's of blend real, together you know i have that problem too i i honestly do just had it today it happens all the time but uh i, I suppose being in 2020 we'll have to start uh, working through that we'll, right we're gonna have to get our shit straight <laughs> but i ran that when I was trying to find talking points, I was like, "Are you sure this happened before 2010?" It feels like yeah, two years ago. So many of those instances I had myself. Like it's it's crazy. I don't know the way my mind's trying to process the past ten years is not working out to my benefit. <laughs> but we'll get through that. We'll get through that. We're going to look at the best moments from the past ten years, and then we're going to turn our full attention over to Matt and talk about Spaztastic Studios and everything that's going on over there but before we do that don't forget to find us on twitter at uh, candairpod and on instagram at canned underscore air if you like what we're doing head over to patreon.com forward slash candairpod or you can just go follow the link at uh, candairpodcast.com to become a patron for five dollars a month you get access to the candair patreon pod and like i've been saying lately uh, we've got big plans for the patreon uh, page coming up here some we might uh, even say some radio drama kind of stuff based yeah. on some comics we've had uh, talked about on the show before. We're getting crazy, but we're getting crazy for you people. If you're paying, we're going to put ourselves out there for you. If you have any suggestions, uh, we, we want to do that too. But uh, yeah, lots of new stuff coming to the Patreon. So now's a good time to get on board if you've been thinking, hmm, should I? You yes, should. you should. You should. You really should. Randy, what am I forgetting? I don't think there's any Wizard Worlds coming up. Torg's Gaming Convention here in May. Mm -hmm. We're hosting it. 
Uh, check our site out. Check their site out. It's going to be huge. So. What's that website? One more time, Randy. TorgEvents.com. And there you have it. There you have it. Let's kick it off with this week's Retro Roundtable. All right, guys, the past 10 years, man, uh, at first I was like, well, I can't even think of a few things. But after I sat down with a pen and paper and really started rooting around, boy, I found some... uh, Pretty impactful moments, yeah. at least on me. I know and some other people, but uh, I want to start with you guys. Who would like to go first? Well, let's let Matt go. Matt? I did dig around and, like you said, make sure it happened in this decade, not this time. But I want to start out saying 2012, The Hobbit was a huge thing for me when I was younger. Okay. Because, you know, you read all the books. And then you go see it on the big screen and just blew my teenage mind. You know, I have yet to see The Hobbit, but I remember when uh, Lord of the Rings came out. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I had just heard of them. I had no idea what Lord of the Rings was when I went to the theater to see it. But after Fellowship, I was like, oh, my God, this is awesome, you know. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it was, inc- it was a cool feeling. I think I know what you're talking about, man. So I... I was exposed to it at an early age because I saw the Rankin and Bass did like a cartoon version of like the, of Hobbit. the Hobbit. Yeah, yeah. So I I had seen that prior to like the Lord of the Rings and everything, but yeah, it was cool seeing it on the big screen. Sure, I think that's one of those movies that has to like we've talked about on the show. If you didn't grow up with it, it's not something you can go back and watch that cartoon. It's hard to. <laughs> yeah, that seventies animation can be fucking rough sometimes, right. man. Really, it was nightmare, if you, honestly. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> supposed to be cute you're like oh no i don't i don't like this <laughs> philbo what's wrong with you boy that testimony alone kind of makes me want to watch it now <laughs> good pick though randy what you got so um i might be cheating a little bit here but uh considering the bulk of the mcu was released in the 2010s mm-hmm. i mean that was pretty impactful for me yeah you know that's one thing that kind of came to mind at first but uh it's yeah just under the wire it's it's outside the 10 years but you're right i mean that it started to get weight and momentum in the past 10 obviously yeah and avengers man being that was big huge screen. for me yeah wow yeah yeah, who'd ever thought? I mean, when we heard we were getting a Spider-Man movie, we were like, that's as good as it's going to get. Right, exactly. You know, I don't remember what movie I went to see, but I went to see it just to see that first Tobey Maguire Spider-Man trailer. Okay. Because I don't think they you could watch them online yet at the time. That probably would have been before then, yeah. Before iPhones and shit like that. Yeah. But anyway, Grandpa here talking about old Spider-Man. <laughs> oh, that was the one I was exposed to because it came out on my birthday. It was May 3rd. So all my friends, of course, said, oh, we have to go see it for your birthday. And I'm like, I don't really care about Spider-Man. But it, it was my first big exposure to it. So I was I was a fan of Tobey Maguire. Yeah. I, again, I thought he did a great Peter Parker. Wasn't really solid on the way his Spider-Man was. He looked, you know. I didn't mind it in the first and second one, but we, we've discussed our... They're fun, for, though. They're, yeah, they they're, are. They're, they're They're great fun films, for sure. They've definitely got their problems, but show me a Spider-Man movie that doesn't. Hard to find one. Hard to find one. Um, let's see here. What have I got? How about just the uh, 
the fall from grace of some people we thought were just pure as could be or untouchable, like Kevin Spacey or Bill Cosby. Oh, like, yeah. Who would have ever fucking imagined? I mean, maybe there's people out there that have their hand up in the air and said, me, right. me, I fucking knew, but I, I didn't. You know, I grew up on uh, the Cosby show. Yeah, me too, man. I mean, who didn't? That was a, what a great show and what a, you know, a wholesome air quotes a wholesome guy he right. seemed to be right i mean i remember watching his my parents used to like videotape or record his stand-up so i remember mm. like watching like vhs oh yeah yeah i've definitely got vhs somewhere of the last episode of uh the cosby show because okay. it's, it's funny because boys to men came on for it and they did their <laughs> uh it's so hard to say goodbye but they tweaked the words so it's so hard to say goodbye to the cosby show <laughs> oh it was kind of it's like oh, a little corny, but at the same time, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Like in Kevin Spacey, like he was always one of my favorite actors. And right. So to then see him, you know, not only be accused of all this stuff, and then just to see his kind of nutty behavior behavior following it all, just I don't know, man. It sucks. It just makes you wonder, like, who else am I looking up to, or do I have an opinion of that is just not who they say they right. are. And I'm sure that's a great number of people. I mean, even outside of celebrity, people that we meet I don't I could not even know who the hell you are, Randy. You right. could be doing <laughs> shit that I'm not aware of. <laughs> but um you know what I mean. Yeah. You know what I'm saying, yeah. right? Yeah, and it's there's a lot of people I find myself saying, please God, not this one. Don't <laughs> know. Especially Creed. like when you open Twitter or something and like a headline starts and you see like a celebrity like on the red carpet and it starts with their name. You're like, oh, Christ, what have they done? <laughs> and if it's someone you like, you just are biting your nails. Please, God, no. Please, right. no. Uh, yeah, that was that was a crazy time, too, because it seemed like every other day there was something like something new. like coming And a out. lot of the people like when when they were accused and it came out, you're like, yeah, that seems about right. Right. That seems right. Yeah, I, I, I buy that. Not but, to make light but of it. These but these yeah. two were just like, really? Yeah. You're kidding me. Really? Well, you know, I couldn't believe it. But uh, here we are. <laughs> here we are. I don't I don't remember when uh, the Bill Cosby thing dropped, but I remember it was close enough to Christmas that my brother and I kept, you know, the baby it's cold outside song. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> my brother and I would constantly say, hey, it's the Cosby song. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah, he's been, what, he's been in jail, what, two years now? A year and a half, two years, something like that? Something like that, yeah. Man. Certainly it makes kids say the darndest thing a lot darker when you look <laughs> back at it. <laughs> yeah, I'm staying away from them jello pudding pops for a while. Oh, yeah, put the roof in the pudding pop. <laughs> but, uh, but Kevin Spacey, didn't he, he walked, didn't he? Because, like, his accusers, when they were supposed to come back to court, like, bailed or they never showed or, like, yeah, for some reason I, I don't. Remember. I feel like he got off off of all his charges, but um, I don't, it doesn't look like he's being welcomed back into Hollywood. <laughs> was that before Baby Driver, or was that after? After. Okay. Right after. Okay. Right after, because that was the last film I had seen with him in it. Okay. That I was like, man, that Kevin Spacey, fucking Bravo, you know. <laughs> and I mean, he still did a good performance. It's right. not like, oh, well, his performance is crap now. He did, but you just when you see that person, you kind of feel dirty afterwards. Well, it, it, yeah, you feel dirty for liking what they did, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> maybe I'm alone. Maybe I'm alone here. Am I wrong? No, I don't think no? so. Matt, we're back to you. I'm actually going to shift over into the video game category. Sure. Now, this one might not be a lot like 
fair because it encompasses a lot of different types of video games. But like your Fallouts, your Bioshocks, Mass Effects, those all came out around 2010 to 2012. And that seemed like it picked up that whole style of uh, RPG decision making type of gaming mm. that kind of took off. Game. Yeah, absolutely. Your reputation matters, all that stuff. And I just loved it. I can't say I've played any of those games, to be honest with you. Have you? I've played Fallout. Um, I want to play Fallout so bad, because everyone talks so highly about it. I'm a huge uh, Elder Scrolls fan, so I've played, like, Morrowinds, Skyrim, stuff like that. Those games I hate. (laughs) Okay, well, you're probably not going to (laughs) like... I mean, it's pretty much Morrowind or Skyrim with guns. I mean... I know that's a generalization. Matt well, see, with agreed. Morrowind, like, I'd start, and I'd start walking, and shit would attack me and just kill me, and I had nothing to defend myself. So, yeah, you give me a gun, improved. 110%. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, if I can aim down a scope at anything, it makes you feel ten times better about it. Even if you don't have any bullets in it. He's like, well, right. when Check I find a bullet, you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that kind of open world. Yeah, I, I know what you're talking about, Matt. Like that was, yeah, that was a cool time. Yeah, and I think they're still kind of doing it. Uh, Outer World came out, and I'm currently knee deep in that one, What's which is kind of like a uh, Borderlands meets Mass Effect kind of game. Is that the one where you explore like a bunch of different planets, or am I thinking of something different? Uh, yeah, there's a bunch of different planets, but they're all colonized. It's not like, uh, oh gosh, I can't remember the name of it now. You were supposed to infinitely be able to explore space. No, that's the one sky. I was thinking of. That, yeah. 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 It's not quite like that. Okay. Didn't that game kind of tank? I mean, I think they like over promised and under delivered right off the bat, but I think they like, fixed it. It seems like on. it got boring really quick. Like, it's so massive, you can't ever go to the same place again, right? I mean, so you're just jumping planet to planet to planet with every experience being a new one. I never played the game, but I think a lot of the feedback I was hearing is like there was a there was a lot to explore, but there's nothing to really do once you got there. Yeah, like it was like you go to this planet and mine something. Okay, well there's nothing really there. And yeah. again, I've never played that. I could be totally wrong. <laughs> well, the the problem it really had was you're right. It was infinite space and. You could just go anywhere, but later on they they released a DLC and they charged the same prices of the game to essentially make the original game playable and closer to what they promised. Oh, okay. Oh, I, I've been telling you, I've, I keep drip, drifting away from gaming altogether. I'm trying to get back into it, but... Uh, man, it's hard to because you get like a game such a time commitment. Yeah, exactly. Mm. <laughs> that's that's the problem, man. Winter's a good time though because you don't have anything else yeah. you gotta necessarily do. Mm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Entrepreneurs like we have to stay hustling even in the winter, so it's never a good time to try to get back into gaming, especially a, a big open world one. Right. I like the games I can just jump in really quick. Like the Call of Duties. I can just hop into a match and start shooting people for no reason at all. There you go. And then, then it's just over in five minutes and I'm back to, back to my uh, routine, you know? Anyway, Randy. Well, I'll piggyback off Matt's and uh, go with the Nintendo Switch. Um, mm. I, I'm not going to lie, I was a little salty right off the bat because I had the Wii U 
and I had a lot of the games that they first released on the Switch, and I had purchased the DLC for prior to. Mm -hmm. So, like, I got Mario Kart with all the added characters, and then the Switch came out, and then they released Mario Kart with all the DLC packaged in. And they added a couple things, like an extra character here and there, but... uh, Not enough to justify it. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) and I got really, really nervous when they said Smash Brothers, because I'm like, I bought the Smash Brothers game, I bought all the DLC on the Wii U. I ended up like, I was like 120 bucks into it. Jesus Christ. Because <laughs> I got like all Dude. the fighter packs and everything. And uh, what what was that, Matt? I said, you did what? You spent $120? I think it, by the time you factored in the price of the game and all like the combined DLC, yeah. I think it was around that. And see, that's another reason I'm drifting away from gaming because you can't just go buy a game and enjoy it now. It's like you spend the 60 bucks to get the start of the game. Then you have to keep banging into it. Fuck that! <laughs> but I will say, when the new Smash Brothers came out for Switch, it kind of it finally got me on board because it was mm. like every character, and then they yeah. added some new ones after that was DLC. But yeah, I'm having a hell a hell of a good time with the Switch. It's it's a nice system that seems to be you know countering exactly what I said. I can buy a game, put it in, and enjoy a nice long game without having to buy more to you know fully enjoy it. Right. Man, Star Wars Battlefront really still left a bad taste in my mouth because that was probably the worst example I've ever seen. Of buy a game, take it home, you get just a few little things, but you've got to keep paying. What was it like another sixty to eighty dollars to get everything else? Right. That's nuts. Didn't like loot crates and stuff like that become like really popular in the twenty tens, or was that like earlier? Uh, I think you're right. No, I think you're right. Okay, because I remember there being like a bunch of backlash about it. About. Just loot crates in general, like how do we get to loot crates from? Just DLC and, <clears throat> or sorry, not loot crates, but they were, there was something like you would buy on like those type of games where it would be like a DLC, but it was like weapons and stuff like that. Oh, okay. Um, I, I think, don't know. Uh, what was that? Uh, the Counter Strike, I think, was really bad about that. Yeah, that was the game I was thinking of. Yeah, I don't know because they had lotteries, didn't they? Like the betting. Yeah, that was it. But it just pushes me away from gaming, you know? Again, that's why I've gone back to Nintendo, because everything's uh, just so much simpler over there, I guess. <laughs> but anyway, uh, that, that was your yes. pick? That was yep. your pick? Um, okay, so typically celebrity deaths don't bug me. Okay. Typically, because they're not people I really know, and if you know, I have seen their movies or something, then... All right, it's sad, but there were three in the past ten years that rocked my world. On top of many other people's, first, Robin Williams. Yeah, yeah, that was rough. Two, Carrie Fisher, and three, Tom Petty. For me, that was, oh my, that was cataclysmic. Yeah. Um, Robin Williams, we were, we had sat down to record an episode. Oh my God, this is so weird. I didn't even mean for this to happen. Okay, so uh, we sat down to record with John Euskadis, I believe his name was, of Boots and Pups. Boots and Pup, a comic. Uh, I think he was out of Jersey. I don't remember. It's irrelevant. We sat down to record an episode with him probably like four years ago, five years ago, something. And quite literally five minutes before we hit record is when we learned Robin Williams had passed. So if you go back and listen to that episode, you can hear us just, hey, welcome to Candace. Yeah. kind of sucks. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. What I just remembered was that when Tom Petty passed, 
you know, I found out moments before the show was starting, he was the same guest. We had had him back. That's creepy. That's nuts. He's like the fucking harbinger of death, isn't he? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my God. But uh, yeah, it wasn't the same for uh, Carrie Fisher. But, I mean, yeah, all three of those were just huge, huge deaths that the uh, the world felt. I'd add two to that, if you don't mind. Alan Rickman? Uh, well, that, but um, Chester Bennington of... Mm. Lincoln Park yeah. and then Chris Cornell. Oh yeah, wow. Yeah, those were like my bands growing up. Yeah, and yeah so we've was... lost some amazing talent. Oh, we? absolutely, man. And Lemmy Kilmeister, I think, wasn't that around that same time too? Yeah, right. he was definitely within the past ten years, I believe. Right? I think so. Yeah, well, yeah a lot of talent, but yeah, those three just really rang prominent in the front yeah. of my mind. It's all right. Uh, back around the table to Matt. So I'm going to I'm going to move categories again, kind sure. of. And I'm gonna, I want to talk about comics. Mirka Andolfo, uh, the creator of the Unnatural series, if that rings a bell to anyone. Oh, oh my goodness. She is hands down one of the best uh, illustrators and she writes everything she edits. So she's all in one. She's on the image right now. And. It's got a little bit of some adult content, but not overwhelming. The illustrations are beautiful. The translation, because she's uh, Italian, I believe. But she she released that whole series on Natural, and that really brought me back into the comic world. To continue on that, she made an announcement this year of, of her upcoming comic series, Mercy. And I am way excited for that. Mercy. Now that sounds familiar. That sounds very familiar. I also wanted to shout out, uh, you guys had Ashley West on a couple months ago. I got her comic, uh, Velthanius. Yes. And man, that was amazing. The artwork, everything. Yeah. It was incredible. She does all that. I love her art style. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very unique, very unique, very, very unique. But, uh, yeah, she she is damn good at what she does. Damn good at what she does. It's a very good pick right there. Uh, you said Mercy, that's called? Yeah. I'm going to write that down because, man, that really sounds familiar. Well, they did a live-action uh, promo shot at one of the Comic-Cons, I think uh, New York Comic-Con. Maybe that's what I've seen. Then. I don't know. Something about that's just really familiar. Anyway, my saying that over and over isn't going to make it ring through to me, I guess. Uh, do you mind if I go next? No, just go because ahead. my next uh, contribution is a comic one as well. Uh, one thing just having happened as of recently, the bringing back together of Peter Laird and uh, Kevin Eastman mm-hmm. uh, by uh, the Toys That Made Us documentary doing, you know, that's so incredible to see because... Um, the Turtles, I believe, are one of those franchises that has never had like a true definitive. The first movie, obviously the original comics, but the first movie is probably about the best, I think, visual thing that's been out there for years. Then okay. the Nickelodeon cartoon came out and was pretty good. But the IDW series that's going now with Kevin Eastman and Tom Waltz has been awesome. They just put out uh, issue 100. So they've been around for what about four years now? They maybe 2013 started, 2012, 2013, around the same time the show started. Okay, it has just been nonstop amazing, nonstop amazing. And now uh, it looks like uh, Peter Laird, Kevin Eastman, and Tom Waltz 
are going to do uh, in 2020 a book called The Last Ronin. I am so excited for it. That it's going to can't wait. But you know that series is uh, so good because one, it you know it shows one the turtles going from all red bandanas to the colored ones, how that happened, why that happened. Um, what else? The death of Donatello, which obviously in the end didn't wasn't his death, right. but. For a month there, shit was real. Right. Shit was real, and you felt the weight of it. And to think that, um, man, what a ballsy move to kill off one of the four turtles. Right. Like, permanently. Can you imagine that they stuck to that? Yeah, um, that would have been crazy. Uh, what else? The adding of uh, Jenica, the, the the girl turtle. Splitter leading the Foot Clan. Like, so many things you never thought you'd see, but really cool shit nonetheless. It's been a uh, thrill ride. Love that series. Anyway... Wanted to throw my comic one in there right up <laughs> no, next to fine. Matt's comic entry. So, uh, Randy, you're next. Uh, just for me, it was kind of like the re-release of the uh, the classic gaming systems and kind of like the, the... I don't know if it was like prominently in the 2010s, but that's when I noticed it, like kind of like the comeback of the retro gaming. Like mm. I really started to notice, yeah. like, you know, more conventions popping up, more you know, demand for some of these older consoles, you know, they re-released the NES classic or NES with a, you know, built-in stuff. And just a lot of that just kind of felt like it hit its stride in that time frame. I I would agree with you uh, totally. But it's a funny thing because when that big nostalgia boom started coming around and all these these old games started coming back and, you know, to everyone's hands, I I got excited. I was like, okay, this is going to be cool. I haven't thought of these games in years and I'm excited to play them. But when I sat down to play them, I just realized how quickly I just am over it. Right. I get over it. And I just think that's because of how games have evolved. You know, games are completely different now than they used to be. It amazes me the amount of patience we had as children. The amount yeah. of tolerance. The amount of just determination. Right. Because uh, there is no way as a grown adult I'm getting through these games. <laughs> Except with the exception of Mario, which you can run through in like 10 minutes because you played the shit so many times. But my God, like some of these games, like uh, just what did I get? Super Star Wars. These games are freaking oh, hard, yeah. man. Yeah. And uh, when I'm thinking of kids, you know, like you got about halfway through it, three quarters of the way through it. And you're like, oh, I can't go any farther now. Like I can't get through the first level. And I'm not even, I'll be damned if I'm going to try to right. get there. Like, right. hell with it. It's not worth my time. <laughs> so, I, I don't know. About, I, I purchased a Dreamcast, and I was all in for probably a couple months. And then I'm like, eh, it's exactly. all right. I'll just go back to playing what I was playing on my computer. Exactly. And I've, I hate being that way, because I've got a ton of retro games. Right. And, um... <clears throat> You know, I'll still plug them in and play them occasionally, but as quickly as I get it all hooked up and get the games fired up on the TV and I'm sitting there playing them, I'm all ready to unhook it and put it away again. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm. this is such a passing fancy for me. I don't understand. I don't know. I don't like it. I wish I could hold the same interest that I had once. Probably depends on the game, honestly. I'm sure. Because, like, I can pull out Zelda Ocarina of Time and just lose myself. That's true. Nintendo titles are solid no matter when they've come out. All the Mario games, you know, Mario 2, 3, even the original, I can still sit today and play them through. They're fun games, for sure. But, um, I don't know. It's hard to explain, man. It's a really hard thing to explain. I get it. I just think it's the way video games have have changed us, I guess. (laughs) The, The way they've changed, we've adapted, I guess. I don't know. 
It's they're, they've been like, too easy for us. Well, so. to add to that, I feel like new games are constantly throwing stuff at you. So there's always something happening on screen and it kind of gave us less of an attention span for a linear experience like what we were used to. I don't know. You get these games like Skyrim and Fallout that, you know, you can spend hundreds of hours playing and still discover something new and you can beat, you know, the Super Mario World or some of these classic ones and, you know, a couple hours like all these speedrunners do it in like crazy short amount of time. Um, yeah, it's definitely night and day. Yeah. For show, sure, for show. Sure. And that was whose pick? That was whose pick? Uh, that was mine. It was your pick. All right. So that brings us back to Matt, if he has any more. Uh, I have a couple more. Um, uh, the one movie that really caught my attention from the last decade was Mad Max. Really? Fury Road. Yeah. Uh, they, it was one of the, the few remaining movies that did a lot of their own practical effects, including all the exploding cars and car chases and to revive a series that old because i think the last one was released in 1981 yeah ish that was thunder so right i don't know i'm not a mad max aficionado well neither was i up until that point i just they were able to carry on the the lore into this new one some 20 30 years later and it hit the ground running like it hit all the demographics that were, you know, allowed to watch it. But I loved it. And I think uh, Tom Hardy, I think that was a, a huge part for him. Yeah. Yeah, oh. for sure. Oh. It was a it was a fun movie. It's just, I just wonder in this post-apocalypse world where the fuck everyone's getting all this gasoline to just drive <laughs> endlessly through the desert, you know. But, uh, yeah, it was a good movie. It was a good uh, Just not my cup of tea, personally. Right. But yeah, for sure. And Charlie Theron, come on. Yeah, yeah. Come on. Yeah. No? Randy, back to you. Uh, it obviously wasn't in the 2010s, but it was still kind of prevalent with uh, still having Blockbuster around and the video mm. rental stores. Streaming killed the video store? Yes. I, I still have fond memories of my wife and I going to Blockbuster, and they did like promotions where you could get like uh, like a thing of popcorn and like candy and stuff like that with mm. your movie rental oh, and just yeah. doing a few few movie runs like that yeah I mean it was definitely uh, fun to do on Friday nights yeah. or if you had a friend over to go find a movie or a video game and yeah I mean, video story was always awesome but I don't know I, I hate one they're not gone family videos out there I still see those occasionally yeah. still doing just fine it seems and it, it makes me wonder how but uh, Every time I've been around one or in one, they've got customers in them. People are still buying, renting DVDs, that's for sure. But two, I'm so sick of seeing memes about Blockbuster, like like uh, kids today will never know and shit. Like, right? How long are we going to see these memes? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> we've been singing a Blockbuster's extinction for years. I mean, those things shit, that shit's been around since we started this show. Yeah. When we started the show, I uh, like 2013, I think Jack and I had learned there was one remaining Blockbuster at the time. Yeah. And we were trying to uh, get a hold of them to get membership cards. <laughs> That's hilarious. But uh, alas, we never got said membership cards. But Yeah, I guess, like I said, they weren't prominent in the 2010s, but there were still some around that you could find. Blockbusters, you Yeah. Mean? 
Yeah, I haven't seen one in years. In years. But uh, no, I kind of don't want to. (laughs) (laughs) The memes have kind of put me off of it. But uh, how about... People will have mixed feelings about this. But uh, the acquisition of Star Wars, Disney's acquisition of Star Wars. A lot of people would have something to say, myself included, about it, because there's definitely been bad things to come from it. But I don't feel like we'd have much more of any Star Wars in our lives if Disney hadn't bought it, you know? The Mandalorian wouldn't have been around, and I think that's that's saved the franchise, in my opinion. I Saved it from what Disney's done. Right. <laughs> so, right. You know, they redeemed the, themselves, I guess I should... But before the Disney thing, you know, everyone was still shitting on the prequels, and now right. the prequels are, you know, like, wiping the sweat off their brow because <laughs> Disney's taking all the shit, but... Um, I don't know. At the same... It doesn't matter who's doing Star Wars movies. We're going to get something we don't like, but... Uh, I enjoyed the new one. It definitely has problems. Definitely has some big problems, but uh, was a, it was a good film. I enjoyed it, yeah. and uh, anxious to see what they do in the future. Especially, like you said, the Mandalorian's where it's at now. Yeah, <laughs> that's where it's at now. It's, have, have you seen through the end of the season? I haven't seen the last episode yet. Holy shit! I know. I got to get my button gear. Yes, you do. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> yes, you do. Yes, you do. I'm waiting for the whole thing to wrap up so I can get my free trial of Disney Plus and just burn through all of it. It is now wrapped, so I, I, go ahead and get that uh, get that trial. It'll take you about four hours, I think, to burn through it. Half hour, eight th- half hour episodes. Okay. I think Disney created kind of a Schrodinger's Star Wars because without them acquiring or acquiring Star Wars, we're not sure that we would have had more Star Wars. Yeah, I mean, I, I swear I'd heard Lucas said he was never going to do the sequel trilogies. Uh, who knows? Who knows? Right. Maybe he would have. But uh, I don't know. After the backlash from the prequels, I can't say he would have. Right. I, I, I don't know. Still trying to live down Jar Jar. I think if the prequels would have been awesome, he probably wouldn't have sold. Yeah. Like, if everyone was like, oh, my God, they that's, that's better than the original, I don't think he would have sold to Disney. But... All the shit they get, I think he's like, ah, fuck it. Someone else can try their hand at it, you know? <laughs> but um, that's another thing, the, star, the whole Galaxy's Edge at Disney. That'll be fun to see someday. I can't wait to see that. Just immersing into that world even farther than we've been allowed to in the past. Right. I, I dig that. So, And on that note, let's just turn our attention. right. Let's, well, first, let's say goodbye to the 2010s. Uh, with some of our highlights and maybe not best moments, but just uh, moments <laughs> we recalled there. Let's say a hearty goodbye to the 2010s and turn our attention over to Matt and talk about Spastastic Comics. Matt, thanks for being here again, man. Oh, thank you guys for having me on. I've, this was kind of a hit or miss thing for us for a little while uh, yeah, trying to get on. It happens, especially around the holidays, man. It's it's difficult. <laughs> I get it. I get it. So no worries there. No worries. But uh, glad to get you on here and glad to finally uh, find out more about Spastastic Studios. You have the, uh, I don't know if it's your catchphrase or what on their website, but it says a bunch of creative nonsense. So in a nutshell, what what is Spastastic Studios and what is this said creative nonsense? It actually all spawned from a webcomic I started in high school called Mr. Spaz. And he was essentially a Kenny from South Park kind of character. He just died all the time. And it was always so random. And I I wrote it in my little planner that they forced us to have that I never followed through on. 
almost a decade and a half later, there was a there was ten years I just stopped drawing. I stopped making anything. I came back about two years ago, and I made more Mister Spaz comics. And then I kept having ideas for more and more stuff I wanted to do, and I couldn't decide like which direction to aim everything, and that created the bunch of creative nonsense. I see, all covered under the one little moniker there. So, so what is what is it you're offering on your website then? I mean, as far as creative nonsense goes, I mean, I, I've seen you have a couple different comics on there. What would what, uh, what would somebody visiting your website experience? Mostly, what the website is right now is just a shop space, and it's got a little news blurb. But uh, right now, we have like pins or not pins, buttons. Uh, mostly art prints and they're not themed at all so that feeds into the nonsense black art that was based on a short story i wrote some years ago and me and my buddy illustrated it and made it into a comic for him and distributed that and on top of that i wrote and illustrated a book talking about mental health now this is the uh, what i learned about uh, depression and anxiety Yes, Great. that is the one. So so uh, tell us a little bit about this book then. So the book started um, as kind of a coping mechanism. I was diagnosed with depression when I was in college. And to that point, I had no idea what was going on with me. Uh, so when they told me and I started going to therapy and I learned about it, I started supplementing my therapy with drawing. So the illustrations in the book came first. And I collected six or seven of them. I showed them to some friends and they're like, you know, I'd buy a whole book of these. And I'm like, well, maybe that's a lot of drawing. I don't know. And then 26 illustrations later, I wrote about my experience. I bundled it together and put it in a book. That's incredible. So you're telling me it was uh, the book itself was a way of coping with said depression, but it was also a way of sharing your experience with depression. Like I said, when I started, I didn't have a direction for it. Right. Um, as I started talking to people, they're like, you know, maybe people would associate with it. And then I took my experience trying to talk about my mental health. And I realized that, you know, we weren't built with the proper vocabulary to express what's happening to us. So by giving people situations and uh, anecdotes like how it feels, not exactly how to do like the clinical diagnosis. Uh -huh. People could understand what was going on and take that and use it as a tool to speak to their doctor, their therapist, their counselor, their teachers, like anybody that can get them to help. That is incredible. And that makes me want to look at this book. That is something else. It's a visual representation of depression and for those who can't exactly grasp what's happening with them. This or is a, articulate a, it. a compass as to finding what could be happening with that person. That's incredible, man. Really good on you. What a useful tool for someone experiencing that. Oh, thank you. I, I was also hoping it would help people who maybe didn't have depression understand what people were going through. Uh, yeah, what empathize and stuff with them. Yeah. And sometimes people don't realize that they're putting this kind of pressure on the people that are suffering. If they're, they're like, they want to fix it. Right. 
and sometimes trying to be overly enthusiastic and really approach those people is the wrong way to go about it because you don't know what's going on in their head. I want to read this book. Yeah. I really want to read this book now, man. So if we are well, interested uh, in checking it out, where can we get a copy of it? So my online store just ran out of stock. Boom, boom, uh, boom. But it is, I guess that was a good time to, to plug all the places it's available, brick and mortar. So there's Secret Identity Comics up in Delaware, Ohio. They ha- they've been a huge support there. They carry the mental health uh, book and they carry Blackheart Prologue Bookstore in the short north. They have a couple copies of the book left. Uh, Gramercy in Bexley, Ohio. Uh, the Bookshelf in Cincinnati. Max Back Books in Cleveland, along with Fireside Books, all have copies of what I learned about depression and anxiety. So, Blackheart, you said this one was a, a collaboration with yourself and uh, Josh, was it? Yeah, Josh Simpson is the illustrator. He did all the the line work for the comic and is illustrating our next comic that's coming out. So what's Blackheart even uh, about? Can you tell our listeners a little bit about that? Oh, that one's uh, a little bit different. It's not your typical comic. It's a short story told with visuals. So essentially there's a doctor and he's writing like journal entries and you get to read those journal entries And it follows his story of uh, lost love, jealousy, uh, enragement, and a little bit of cannibalism. Oh, wow. Hmm. (laughs) Wasn't expecting the last one there. (laughs) Yeah, no one ever does, really. Goes from zero to 100 very quickly. Those, yeah, those are uh, fun books to read, aren't they? Yeah. (laughs) It's a more violent telltale heart, essentially. Okay. Ooh. Modernizing of a classic tale. I like it. Now, you mentioned you have a, a new project you're working on. Yeah, uh, so we're heavy in production to a new comic series. It's actually going to be a serialized one. What I can tell you about it right now is it's in the future, and it's in space, and it's a moderately serious comic. I don't do fluffy, lighthearted stuff. Cool. Cannibalism? Uh, will there be cannibalism in space? Um, you know what? I think uh, I think I've touched on cannibalism enough. <laughs> We're gonna uh, just do the normal violence, no, you know? Sure, sure. And that one will be ready. Um, it's going to debut at the Gem City Comic Con. Awesome. Okay. Very good. Very good. Well, then you'll probably have some copies at Torgs when you're you're there next May. Yeah. So, you know what? Let me. Grab that sticky note. Yeah, so Gem City uh, will be in person April 25th and 26th. And Tour Gaming Expo will be returning this year, uh, May 30th. I got that date right, I think. Yep, you're good. (laughs) Uh, So we'll be there. We'll have copies of the book. We'll have copies of Blackheart. We'll have copies of the new comic. And hopefully the by the tour, we'll have the second comic of that series out as well awesome awesome and we can uh, catch up yeah absolutely it'll be, be freaking fun. i always love 
I mean, I know we've met you guys already, but uh, we hadn't broke bread like we did here today, right? Over, right. over around microphones. So uh, it'll be cool to catch up <laughs> with you and uh, look at the comics we've been sitting here talking about. But for uh, people at home, you know, again, spaz-tastic.com is where you want to be going, correct? Correct. And that has some of our just our off-the-wall art prints that aren't necessarily associated with anything. Although um, there's an anime one that I put up. That's going to be something in 2020. Well, very good. We can put uh, links up to direct people that way. Is there anywhere else people should be checking you out? I know there's. you guys have a Twitter handle, Spaz Comic, right? Uh, any other places people should check you out? So, yeah, Twitter as Spaz Comic. Instagram is the, the most active one we have, which is uh, at Spaztastic Studios, all one word. Do you mind if I plug a few more places that have uh, the comic? Go right ahead. So some of you guys might be familiar with, again, Secret Identity up in Delaware, Laughing Ogre in Columbus there on High Street. And for your listeners in other parts of Ohio, Imaginary Worlds up in Cleveland, uh, Superfly Comics down in Yellow Springs, and Mavericks Comics down in Cincy. Superfly Comics. I haven't... It's so funny. Last time I was there, it's been a while ago, but they've got a, uh, they've got a skateboard above the door on your way out that it has a uh, Raphael done by Kevin Eastman hand drawn. Nice. He, he did a signing there a while back and I was like going on about it. And the dude took it down and was showing it to me. And I said, you know, one day I want to get this head tattooed on myself somewhere. And sitting here now, it's actually been done. It's cool to see that come full circle. Like he said, Superfly comic and just made me think of that. That's awesome. That's such That's a cool store. And, and Yellow Springs itself is pretty cool, but I'm sorry. I didn't mean to get sidetracked. Uh, tons of places, and you said laughing ogre. I mean, anybody in Columbus who's uh, who has you know their hands in comics, you know, laughing ogre, right? A lot of the reason we're not in more stores is because we we sold out of all of the comics we had on hand, and I sold out all the books. So here in early 2020, uh, we're going to do a second run of Blackheart and. Um, the what I learned about depression and anxiety is going to a small publisher, so that will soon be available worldwide. Awesome, nice. man. congratulations! Yeah. And it seems like a good problem to have. You can't keep your inventory, right? In. So, <laughs> congrats to you and uh, on on your uh, good projects again, man. I'm really excited about this. Uh, what I learned about depression and anxiety, I really cannot wait to check that out. But um, until then, until we see you at tours, man. Thanks again for being here, and the best of luck to you, Matt. Oh, thank you. I, I can't wait to see you guys there. Randy, what do we have on the website, sir? Go to CandarePodcast.com. Check out past videos, uh, some of our uh, celebrities we've had on the show, special guests. Uh, mm-hmm. If you're interested in being on the show, uh, you, there's a Contact Us button, I believe, and just mm-hmm. shoot us a message. All kinds of stuff happening there. And don't forget to find us on Twitter at CandarePod and on Instagram at Cand underscore Air. And again... Like what you're doing, you want to get in on the ground floor of the new and improved 2020 Candare Patreon. Well, for $5 a month, you can get in on the Candare Patreon pod and all the all the crazy shit we got coming up here. I don't know. Again, we don't know exactly what we're doing, but we're, we've honed in on a few ideas. Got some special albums in the works that you're only going to be able to get if you're a patron. And there's some pretty cool stuff on there already, a little bit different stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, and we're it. putting our uh, Star Wars thing on there, yes. too. I forgot. Yes. I forgot. Me, Jack, and a handful of uh, guys we used to hang out with. When was that? That was three, four years ago. We got together and 
did a Star Wars uh, role-playing game, Edge of the Empire, very much D&D-style kind of right. game. Uh, we recorded it, the whole 14-hour session, <laughs> and uh, we sat, we wrote scripts to it, we got all the guys around mics, we recorded a whole Star Wars adventure that was an hour and a half long, complete with sound effects. The acting's horrible, the sound effects are stellar. Um, <laughs> it, so it's a good listen, it's a good listen. It's like having fish sticks that are frozen on the inside and burnt on the outside, you know? It's, <laughs> it's like, do I eat this or not? But I pulled it off uh, our free feed a long time ago, a long time ago. It's just been sitting in the vault. So what better place for someone to check out our Star Wars adventure? There you go. More incentive, hopefully. Maybe, maybe. Maybe it'll drive them away. Let's hope not. <laughs> Anything else, Randy? Yeah, so if you like uh, Jack and Jeremy but uh, can't stand me, there's another podcast called Ooh. What If, where uh, these guys delve into really philosophical questions like what if Bigfoot existed? <laughs> I don't know how philosophical <laughs> we get, but we definitely, uh, for about 40, 45 minutes, we'll look at realities where, say, we could control the weather. What if Bigfoot had been found? Uh, what else? Have we done? What we if the Earth was flat? What if the Earth actually we're flat what if the earth stopped spinning is what we did uh, the Christmas one what if Krampus really existed mm. so we uh, look at these things as realistically as possible and talk about the uh, the butterfly effect of these realistic things <laughs> or these things being real that uh, you know what I'm saying yeah, yeah. anyway I'm going to flip my gums I'm droning here I think that's going to do it for this week. So until next time, I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Randy Hardenbrook. And I'm Matt Fry. Thanks for listening, everyone. are mean, so I'm running away from home. Where you gotta go? I don't know yet, but that'll show them. <laughs> it sure will. Shipwreck! Parents just don't understand, and it gets lonely on the road, so be sure to listen to the Candare podcast. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Boy, someone riding by with the fucking radio blaring, yeah. aren't they? Jesus Christ, like it's summer out there, assholes. <laughs> I'm sorry, Matt, that just totally lost my train of thought. What was the last thing? Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.